0: Welcome to the Openly Spoken Podcast, where we talk about the real and raw, messy middle of business and life transitions. My name is Celia Antonio, and I am here to navigate you through uncomfortable action so that you learn, grow, and achieve your goals. I'll share my journey, plus have inspiring guests openly share their lessons, wins, and struggles. If there's one takeaway I hope you can get from this podcast, it would be to be present and enjoy the journey. I'm so grateful you're here today. Now let's openly speak. Welcome to the Openly Spoken podcast, where we talk about the real and raw messy middle of business and life transitions. Today on the podcast, we have Maria Ellerson. She's an award winning PR coach, yoga teacher, and founder of Be Conscious PR. Be Conscious PR empowers heart centered entrepreneurs to get the recognition they deserve in the media. So that they can reach millions of people and make a bigger impact, with over a decade of experience working across agency, freelance, and in-house roles in the industry, including heading up a PR for heading up global PR for a multi-million-dollar travel company, along with uh, 350 plus hours of yoga teacher training under her belt, Maria's approach is grounded in both experience and a uniquely conscious view of PR. She conveys this conscious approach really well in her Instagram content, which is where I found Maria. And when I learned she was a yoga teacher, I was like, ah, that makes sense. I have a fellow yoga teaching sister here and that's why I like her. <laughs> Maria has been featured in places like Business Insider, Yahoo News, Pop Sugar, and more, and she was awarded Europe's 2021 Impactful Founder of the Year by Acquisition International. So exciting. Congratulations, Maria, on everything that you've gotten to experience on your journey so far. I'm so grateful and excited to have you here.
1: Yeah, thank you so much. I'm so excited for us to connect and and share our conversation this time.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah, I'm so excited. So usually when I start, I like to start by sharing uh, your story of how your business was born, but let's go back even further because this is a kind of like a reoccurring theme I've noticed with people I've gotten to talk to is that their bosshood began in childhood. So I'm curious to know if entrepreneurship was foreshadowed in your childhood.
1: Oh, this is a really juicy question. Um, (laughs) The first thing that comes up when you said that is like, I was one of those kids who was called bossy a lot. (laughs) Like I fucking knew what I wanted and I was not, I was very unapologetic about going after it. Um, and I mean I moved around a lot and I think that kind of got knocked out of me a little bit because I was always the new kid but like when I was young and I was like fearless like that's who I was um but I think even once like yeah I think I just like always wanted to go a different path like wanted to do things my own way Mm -hmm. um which was always in conflict with like wanting to fit in and like belonging and stuff so I think it was like kind of always in conflict and I think once I finally realized like the cheesy line I'm like I'm not meant to fit in but like that the fact that I'm different is actually what is awesome you yeah. know and like that's yeah. really what we what we I guess learn when we become become adults that like you know mm-hmm. that there's no value like you belong in just being who you are you don't have to be anything else um that's just like conditioning mm-hmm. um so maybe that's where it started that like now when I'm older I'm like well I've always kind of like had a wanted to do things differently and like really hated being told what to do. (laughs) Um, (laughs) And, you know, like kind of would like have to like swallow my pride and like, just, you know, to be the, 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 the straight A student and all this stuff, but like really like have kind of this voice that I was repressing and it feels really good to like be able to, you know, be more unapologetic and not have to worry about like pissing people off. (laughs) Uh So yeah, I don't know. Does that answer the question? I'm like trying to think if there's anything else, but I'm sure it'll come up. Yeah,
0: I think it yeah. does because it's that yeah. like entrepreneur spirit. Mm-hmm. I can also very much relate to you. And that's actually why I call myself self-express babe because I feel like my journey has been getting back to that place of being myself and realizing like I'm accepted for me. And uh, just like you too, I was also called bossy and I moved a lot. So I turned shy because I was just afraid but yeah it's interesting how as children like if you're ever around children they don't have a filter
1: oh I know it's one of the things (laughs) that is like kind of amazing about them you know like they'll just like say what no one is saying and then you're just Mm -hmm. like why are we all ignoring the elephant in the room like why not just address something head-on you know uh-huh. And I think that's why, we, that's why we become scared of conflict and all this stuff. Cause it's like, Oh no, we don't talk about that. And we don't talk about that. And it's like, well, if we just talk about it, we can move on.
0: <laughs> exactly. Yeah, exactly. So how uh, was your business born? What is the whole story? I know that you've shared it with me before and there were like some unexpected turns and <laughs> you had, you, you made the, you made the best of what happened. And uh, in this podcast, I really love sharing that transition of like when things are messy and you're like I don't know what the fuck I'm doing
1: (laughs) that's definitely happened a
0: lot (laughs) like that
1: like like how far do you want to go back how much time do you have um (laughs) yeah like I think Yeah. I feel like I've just meandered a lot. And side note, I, when I was younger and I was really wanted to be a writer, I like was obsessed with that word. I think it sounded so poetic. I'm not, I don't walk. I meander, (laughs) but that's like the me, I feel like I've had a meandering road to where I am now. And I have like, I am almost hundred percent certain that it's going to continue to meander after this. Like who knows how long I'll be doing what I'm doing now. Um, Mm. But that's also the exciting exciting thing like the, that's the exciting part of the path for me and also I've been working with an astrologer and she was like your Sagittarius moon would be so bored if you knew everything that was going to happen you know <laughs> so it's also just been part of I think like part of my nature to always like just see life as kind of an adventure um mm-hmm. so I guess the first The first step the first seed was planted when I went to college I studied journalism I started out in fashion and wanted to be like the next Anna Wintour long story short did not happen (laughs) um kind of quickly like I kind of quickly like got into the fashion world and was like attending fashion shows in New York and had a really great boss who kind of like taught me how you could like sit front row or like how you could get a good seat. If you just like, didn't like basically she was just like, if you just like act like you're meant to be there, no one's going to come up to you and tell you otherwise. Cause it's very much about like <laughs> perception. Um, and I was just like this 20 and nothing sitting, you know, I'm like, if I could, it, it's just, I was like, this just feels really shallow and mm-hmm. it didn't light me up in the way that I expected. I think I had romanticized the industry. Um, and I then kind of like, mm, pivoted into more like lifestyle like when me write about travel and things like that and I think even back then I was interested in like meaningful stories and like the the articles that I wrote for the various small zines and magazines that like would publish me it was things that was kind of like digging into something interesting like something Something that I found was like meaningful, like someone disrupting something doing, I don't mean, I feel like I need to come up with an example, but I can't think of anything right now. Um, (laughs) But it was always, yeah, there was always like a deeper purpose beyond just like, oh, this is the news or like, this is the latest collection from whoever designer. Mm -hmm. Um, And that was when I kind of encountered my, I guess my first challenge in my career, which was that I graduated from New York University in the U.S. but didn't have a visa to work and I was like so determined to stay in New York so I managed to like learn the alphabet all over the over again learning all the visas and figuring out which one I qualified for um and managed to get myself a journalism visa um, by being like a contributor to a Danish English newspaper Mm-hmm. Um, which was super random and being like their U S correspondent. And that like bought me some time, but I was just like all over the place, just hustling really to like do any kind of any and all consulting, write or, Like write features wherever I could. Um, but it was really hard and it was like struggling to make ends meet. And I just received an invitation from a friend of mine who used to live in New York to come to London To be like, you know, you don't have a, there's no visa problems here. It's, it's great. Like it's more, it's like not as much of a hustle and grind. You should come over. Mm -hmm. And then I finally just gave in and was like, I'm going to give myself three months and see what happens. I booked a return flight and within three weeks, I like got a job and it was like, wow. Okay. Clearly this is where I'm meant to be. Um, And then worked in an agency for like six months which ended up being quite toxic. So I got out, which then led me to my first PR role. So it was clearly, you know, again, something that was meant to happen. And I was just brought under the wing of some incredible um, female bosses who just knew exactly how to strike the balance between like empowering me to like figure things out, but also being there when I needed support. It was like, like That's oh my God, that. the women who worked in that business, they were incredible. Um, and I just feel so grateful that I like found it. And it was one of those roles that I kind of like half-heartedly applied to on LinkedIn, you know? <laughs> um, so it was, and I was like out and some like, th- like the other side of city in London. And I was like, where is this? You know, I was like, what am I walking into? And it just turned out to be the most incredible, um, incredible company to work for. And especially because of those women that I worked under and within, I think it was in less than a year, they, they promoted me to head of PR. Because my like journalism background had just like really helped me pick things up really quickly, um, and then I yeah, and then I was heading up global PR for this multi million dollar travel company, which was like a pinch me experience. I was like traveling with journalists and like being paid to be sailing in Ibiza. <laughs> I was like, what? <laughs> what is this? Like this is real life. But I mean, it was also very like work hard, play hard. Like I was on call twenty four seven, and sometimes like woke mm-hmm. like woken up at midnight to deal with a media crisis and. Mm-hmm. You know things like that um but even like within that role, like again, because I had these very trusting bosses, I was able to like i still was able to create freedom within my role like I really had a lot of autonomy and kind of in and out of the office like in the way that i wanted to be and no two days were the same which again i feel like it's very entrepreneurial Mm
0: -hmm. um
1: in a way like i really just carved that out and was able to build a relationship with my bosses where they like trusted me to do that um and to go and like do the things that i felt like needed to be done and i'm like we need to be in new york to like pitch to to be pitched by these agencies they'd be like okay (laughs) Mm -hmm. that's what you say you need to do that's what you need to do Mm -hmm. um well, fast forward to 2017, um, there was a big corporate restructure and I was laid off. So that was kind of the second, I guess, big turn um, in my journey, um, which was a real sucker punch at the time, because like I had, I had such great relationship with the women that I'd worked with there. And I really, you know, I really loved what I, what I was doing. And I felt like I was really good at it and I was being recognized. So it kind of just came out of nowhere. But I think in a lot of ways it also taught me so much like it shattered the idea that there is a thing called job stability it's like that's a illusion that's a complete illusion yeah because at any time if someone wants you out they will get you out like Mm -hmm. even though you have contracts in place or whatever you know so I think that was a really important lesson because I'd always like deep down wanted the freedom to not be in a full-time job but I was like under the illusion that I would then have no stability. so that was, like, the one big learning. And then the second was also just that, like, I I, I don't know, I was really valued by, by my team. And it was actually, despite it being a shitty situation, the way that they handled it, like, they were very supportive. And it, we, like, we left on really good terms because it was, like, this is a high-up business whatever decision. And to, like, show that, like, even in, like, a situation like that, you can really be overwhelmed by, like, just... beauty of people you know like Mm -hmm. my boss was so supportive and everyone in the team was so like nice about the whole thing i really felt like very held throughout the experience and then i think that's what maybe gave me the confidence then to not just take the next best thing Mm -hmm. because i had other opportunities lined up and like my scarcity mindset was like you need another job like you need to make money like you can't just Mm -hmm. have a gap in your cv um but for whatever reason I listened to my intuition and I didn't take any of those roles and I decided to go solo traveling instead and became a yoga teacher. Like I trained to become a yoga teacher when I was in Guatemala. Um, So
0: awesome. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So that's, you know, the thing that like really connects us to that Mm -hmm. like yoga teacher journey. And I don't know how it was for you, but for me, it was like, I wasn't I I didn't have the goal of wanting to become a yoga teacher. I was just like, I just want to deepen my yoga practice and don't want to have a gap in my CV, which is so funny looking back. Mm -hmm. Um, That that's something that I cared about so much. Um, And that's really what like, I think fast tracked the process because that was like an awakening on a different level of like career doesn't matter. Job stability is an illusion. Status is an illusion. Like what actually really matters is like, Feeling purpose and feeling fulfilled, and leading from the heart, and being happy. And mm-hmm. I have never felt as much bliss as I experienced on that trip. And I had nothing. Like I was like, yeah, I had a you know, a couple months savings. I didn't even know. I had no idea what I was coming home to. I had no direction in my life. Like I was so like, I yeah like like on paper it would be like that sounds like a really challenging time. And I was so happy because I was just like at peace. I was like, I just trust that everything's going to work out. And I'm just going to let my heart lead me and figure out, you know, figure out what's next. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I guess to speed up the story a little bit, because I realized this is really long. Um, <laughs> I, um, I came back to, to London and just knew I didn't want to go back into a full-time role and started kind of teaching but realized that teaching in London is very competitive you have to work very long hours it's not very yogic and that kind of ruined the practice a bit for me so I I guess I ended up manifesting a part-time PR role hmm. um, and work for an agency and at the same time also started working for a feminist travel publication and the contrast of the tech clients at the agency and this feminist travel publication that really lit me up was really um really like informative i guess because it was like i was landing the new york times and forbes and all these amazing features for this feminist travel publication working not very many hours meanwhile i was working more at the tech uh, for these tech startups and it just felt like such a drag to be pitching them because i just i didn't buy into their mission you know like i still landed Mm -hmm. them features but it just took away more effort and it was like it really felt like a job Mm -hmm. um And so after a year of being there, I just, I left and was just trying to figure out what I wanted to do next. And I started doing some freelance, like kind of continuing the like these freelance consultancies, and then eventually realized that I need to formalize this and make this like an official business if I want it to be taken seriously. And also really as a commitment to myself. Um, So it was kind of the outset of the pandemic, really, that I launched Be Conscious PR Mm -hmm. Um, and I was originally both a consultancy and then the coaching, um, was like an idea that I'd have because I ended up kind of inevitably mentoring some like entrepreneurial friends and like sending them some opportunities and realized that I really enjoyed that. Um, and then now that's just, that's just what I've ended up really leaning into. And that's what I really feel like is what I'm here to be doing because that, that, yeah, seeing that transformation and seeing people like realize that they can do this for themselves, and they can, and they can do it being themselves authentically. It's just a really cool thing to witness and to be mm-hmm. part of.
0: Do you think that that comes from being a yoga teacher? Cause I completely resonate with that. Like coaching is something that lights me up and it's not something I'm certified in. Like I have learned about NLP, I've learned about EFT and stuff, but I don't have an official coaching certification, but I feel like the yoga training set me up for that. Do you feel the same way?
1: That I don't think I've ever like acknowledged that that that's where it comes from, but I think that make, that actually makes so much sense because you're really taught to like hold space
0: mm-hmm. and
1: empower. You yeah. know, you're like, it's very much like I'm a guide. Everything I say is a suggestion, but I exactly. empower you to listen to your inner teacher and listen to what's right to you, like right for you. Mm-hmm. And that's totally what at the end of the day, what coaching is. It's like, yeah, yeah I can give you suggestions and I can guide you. But ultimately, it needs to be what feels right for you.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Wow, that <laughs> <laughs> just blew my mind. I'm like,
0: yeah.
1: Okay, I need to give yoga even more credit than I already do.
0: <laughs> how did How did yoga change how you approach PR? Like, how did your mm. did it? Um, what I'm surprised about is like for me, yoga kind of like I don't want to say the word ruined, but it like just completely changed my whole, like before I, before I went to yoga teacher training, I was working in the fashion industry and going into yoga teacher training completely ruined the fashion industry for me because I'm like, it's the number two most polluting industry in the world. I don't want any part of that. Uh, even though like you could have, like I could have went in to change that, you know, like it all depends on how you look at it, but I'm curious to know if your approach, how it changed. Mm.
1: I think it just made me even more aware of like just how important mission and impact is to me Mm -hmm. um and then like obviously like to the world in general like I really do genuinely believe that um the more conscious businesses Mm -hmm. succeed like the better our world is going to be you know Mm -hmm. because I think there's a real problem like the problem with like capitalism the way that it's set up is like yeah, like you know, they're like in an ideal, in an ideal um, world, it's like the cost, like the supply and demand or whatever, just like works itself out, and everyone has a purpose and is serving. But this incentive of profit just is set up to lead to exploitation. So it's like you yeah. have to have humanity and serving humanity be part of the incentive. Um, yeah. I actually got into like a huge conversation about this with this random guy at a coffee shop yesterday who like overheard me and my journalist friend's conversation. So we were like talking about this and we got deep into this. And like, that's kind of the conclusion that we drew is that like the incentive structure needs to change. Mm-hmm. And I believe, and what I feel like I also experienced on the yoga teacher training is like at our core, we are here to serve. And I think we talk a lot about service and it sounds like this really like, it is a humbling thing, but it, it's not this, service doesn't mean like, oh, you do something and you never get anything back. Like, I think there's a reason why when we do an act of kindness, we feel good. Because I think we are programmed for that to feel good so that we will do it. Do you know what, like, I think it's in our nature. Mm -hmm. I think like it's conditioning. It's a really cynical view of human nature to be like, oh, greed, profit, da, da, da. like, I think profit can really, and or like power can really mess with you and maybe get you very into the ego. But if you're aware of the ego- which yoga makes you aware of the ego, then you can really come back to the true nature and the oneness of like, okay, the more we can help each other and serve, the more abundance we'll all experience, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, So I think really that's like what PR or that's what yoga made me see about PR that like, there is a lot of performative bullshit in PR. A lot of people like like the way that I explain like performative versus conscious is like performative is saying the right thing because it looks good. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas conscious is like where the, the gap between perception and reality is, is like, there is no gap. Mm-hmm. Whereas for a lot of people, maybe there is a there's perception and then there's the reality and people don't want you to know the reality and they want you to just focus on the perception. And I think we need to bring it into alignment that like perception is reality yeah. It's just that the, the perception element is like drawing out your gifts that maybe aren't obvious so that you can be a bigger service and you can make a bigger impact as opposed to like, let's put a spin on some of these things so that people won't see the real you. Yeah. That's what feels so disingenuous for me. And like, that's the shift that I think is happening both in the PR space, because like now people are actually holding brands accountable. Mm-hmm. Um, but also like in business in general, I think we are shifting into an era of conscious capitalism. Yeah. Um,
0: Thank God. <laughs>
1: yeah, It's about time. And if, if, if we can't completely get rid of capitalism, let's at the very least yeah. make it conscious, you know?
0: Yeah. Um, Cause we really do have like as consumers at the end of the day, like we have the power, as long as enough of us are choosing to be conscious with where we spend our money. Cause like you mentioned earlier, like supply and demand if the demand isn't there for things that harm us, then that supply is going to have to dwindle. (laughs) Yeah.
1: Yeah. It's like people don't realize like how much power they have Mm -hmm. by looking at their buying power Mm -hmm. and like who they, and it's the same with like consumption, right? Like the media you choose to consume also has an impact on on supply. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's like kind of, yeah, it's like helping people see that too. That, yeah. like, if we all like that, that's why like, the more conscious people run businesses, the more conscious people are contributing to the media, mm-hmm. the more we're going to like move things in the, what I feel, I mean, obviously I have my bias and there may be people who disagree with me, but where I feel we'll move it in the right direction mm-hmm. to kind of save us from some of the, the issues that we see and some of the unconscious business practices and, you know, mm-hmm. just lack of social justice. And I mean- could like go on and on about the endless (laughs) issues you know but like that's really the shift that I that I see taking place and I think the challenge for a lot of conscious or people who identify as like conscious beings or conscious entrepreneurs especially is like it's almost like because you are so conscious you're like reluctant to own any expertise or like really put yourself out there and be like no I'm an expert on this I know what I'm talking about you need like you know what I mean like they don't want to because it's like, you're so conscious that you then like overthink and you end up like self-sabotaging. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, this is exactly why I want to give you a microphone because I know you are not going to bullshit us. You mm-hmm. are not going to say anything that is not truly in alignment. Do you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Because there are yeah. so many people who just go in and like say whatever. Yeah. And they're like, oh, that, that I just said that because I knew that that was just what people wanted to hear.
0: Mm-hmm. And I think that happens because of lack of connection with yourself. Like you mentioned earlier, how, uh, when you had, you didn't know where you were going home to, you, you didn't really know what your next step was, but you had just gone through this yoga teacher training and you trusted that things were going to work out. I think, um, the issue with like just saying things and what, like that whole journey of you, like knowing what is going to happen with yoga You kind of like come home to yourself and you're anchored within your own body, within your own breath, within like your place in this vast universe. And it just, it's really, it it can be a little scary because you recognize that like, you don't have any control over anything, (laughs) but at the same time, that same thing, that same like truth, when you really realize it is very liberating because why would you hold back if you have no control? If your time in the current human body you're in now is temporary, why would you hold back? Like, why wouldn't you do what you love? Why wouldn't you speak your heart? Mm -hmm. So I love all of that. You also shared, uh, oh, if you had thoughts, go ahead and share.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I was just going to be like, I wholeheartedly, I wholeheartedly agree. Like it's it's almost like like seeing your own the same way that like death teaches us so much Mm -hmm. about living you know that it's like well if we have a finite time and if there's nothing that's in our control why not choose to follow your heart and Mm -hmm. choose purpose over like mind numbingly like whatever you know like surface level satisfaction um and why not commit to that and And also to like, understand that, like, in order to stay connected to that place, it's a, it's a practice and there's a commitment there as well, that you will be triggered and challenged. And that doesn't mean that you're, that that's not your nature. It just means that you need to commit to Mm -hmm. it and Mm -hmm. stay, yeah. And stay, like stay, stay in that place of trust and become Mm -hmm. aware of when you are not, when you're not in trust.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: Um, And that, that trust can create so much abundance, like that experience I had. Of like, like no amount of money or material, clothes, house, whatever can make you feel that, that like, at the end of the day, everything material that we're looking for is trying to give us a feeling. Mm -hmm. But if you don't work on the mind and like all of that stuff, achieving those like material goals is not going to give you the feeling that you want. It's going to feel empty, which is why you hear about like lottery winners getting depressed. Yeah. Yeah because money is just going to amplify, you know, I'm not saying money, money is great, but money is just going to amplify what you are already experiencing.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Money can solve, um, material problems, but -hmm. can't solve emotional problems because however you're feeling inside, like that's, that's what you're going to attract on the material realm of things. Like that's what you're going to manifest in your life, how you feel. So Mm. if you're not connected with yourself, and you're going after a goal, the goal you're going after probably is not aligned with your authentic self. You know what I mean? Kind of like how both of us worked in the fashion industry. I don't know if I told you that, but I also mm-hmm. worked in the fashion industry. And like you, I also noticed like, wow, this feels really shallow and, and mm-hmm. I don't feel fulfilled. And that's actually why I started going to yoga. Cause I was just stressed at my job. I was like, I don't feel like I can be myself. <laughs> I don't feel good. And I've heard that yoga is good for uh, stress. So I started going to that and I forgot where I how I started this statement.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Something about fashion and I guess it's the, the material goods, material goods not yeah. aligning with with your emotions. Like it's not gonna make you feel better and it's not necessarily gonna be what your aligned desire really wants because mm-hmm. ultimately it's coming from a place of ego. It's coming from a place yeah. of like, void or you know like wanting to put a yeah Mm -hmm. put a material band-aid on like an emotional wound Mm -hmm. which is just never gonna work and that doesn't mean we can't have nice things like I'm all for like living your best life and making Mm -hmm. money doing what you love and I really believe that and this is why I talk so much about like empowering conscious entrepreneurs to succeed because I do not think that doing good and being successful is like is mutually exclusive because I think that's part of the problem because that's why then people don't do it because they're like, well, I need money. So whereas if like, no, actually like having a positive impact on the world also makes you a lot of money. I'm like, that's Mm -hmm. perfect. And also especially
0: it's more sustainable. It's a more sustainable way to make money because you're, you're going to be energized at the end of your day instead of feeling burned out because everything you did is not aligned with your values or yeah. Yeah. And also like
1: <laughs> you really, like if you're heart led and like, cause I, this is one of the things I've been having conversations about earlier today. Like if you are a heart centered person, then any work you do is going to have so much of your, like you're going to give so much because you care mm-hmm. much more than someone who just is like punching and punching out. Yeah. And so you really deserve to be compensated for that. Yeah, because of that emotional, like it's like that the way what we value needs to change,
0: mm-hmm. you know, like
1: because that investment of energy is worth so much. It's like why I think mm-hmm. it's like I mean why I don't teach yoga full time because I'm like I feel like yoga yoga teachers are underpaid. Like mm-hmm. that, and in, in, in energetic investment is like is so much, and people underestimate. They're like, oh, it's just an hour. I'm like, yeah, but you are fully present for a whole hour. Name me one other job, like maybe other than like teaching, where you have to be that present constantly yeah. like you can't just be like I'm just gonna go make myself a tea in the middle yeah.
0: of class <laughs> you know also to be a yoga teacher I used to teach full-time <clears throat> like it's not just the hour that you're in the class like you have to be practicing in your real yeah. life and like whatever you're teaching in the class is postures that you have to have done because then you'll know the cues to, to uh, guide your students through but also at the same time I do think that 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 statement of yoga teachers are underpaid i think that's a limiting belief that a lot of yoga teachers buy into because there are examples out there of people who have like built an empire for themselves with yoga just not not in the group like they're not focusing on group classes you know mm-hmm. what i mean it's like yeah. for me i don't know where what country you taught yoga but for me the group classes i was getting paid like $30 an hour. Mm, and yeah. When I was in London, teaching, it was like
1: 30 pounds an hour. So it's the same. Yeah. Almost. So it's
0: the same. Yeah. So when I was teaching full time, I was teaching, I want to say like 12 classes a week. It was a lot. And um it, it was crazy because I was like driving from here to there for my 30 hours here, uh, $30 here, $30 there. And then you're paid as, um, independent contractor, So you owe taxes at the end of the year and it's just, yeah, yeah I think that whole system does need to change. That's um, what I
1: mean. Like that, yeah. that model does not value the energetic exchange. Yeah. You know, it's yeah. not that like, we need to stop teaching yoga. Like I think the world definitely needs yoga. It's yeah. like the model needs to change. And that's why it's really great to see that there are like business coaches that are like you know, actually showing yoga teachers a way for them to sustain themselves Mm -hmm. in a that that is is actually sustainable and supports them and allows them to come up come to show up in like in this embodied energetic from an energetic place as opposed to coming from a place that's like burnt out and drained, you know?
0: Mm -hmm. I think a lot of what we said too um from the yoga and also from your job that you had before with your and with your two bosses that you said were very empowering i think it all comes back to intention and i think that's the reason why i wanted to bring it up is because the listeners here are either new entrepreneurs or aspiring entrepreneurs and um it sounds like at your past jobs you've had and then the experience you had afterwards there was an issue of like, they had different intentions because they had different missions. They had different values. So what would you, um, what would you give as like advice to someone who right now is a solo entrepreneur, but they want to set those intentions. They want to set that foundation so that when they bring in their first assistant or whoever it is that they hire, when they finally start building their team, what would you say to them?
1: Mm, great question. Um, I mean, to come back to intention, <clears throat> I immediately think like brand mission, like, and this is a question that I ask all of my clients first, when we like work on messaging, because it informs everything you do. And obviously mm-hmm. the way that you communicate about what you do, um, it's really to ask yourself, like, what, well, what, one, what is your brand mission? What are you, what is the bigger picture behind what you're doing beyond just like offering whatever service or selling a product? And then also like, what do you want to be known for? Mm -hmm. Like that, this is what I really ask from like a PR point of view, but I think it would also serve in thinking about working as a team. Like I don't have a team. I've like worked with people like ad hoc when I need the support. Mm -hmm. Um, But that's something that I would consider as like part of my foundation. It's like so many, even like startups and whatever they talk about. It's very like trendy to talk about values and whatever. And I've worked for a startup that had all these amazing values, but like they were bullshit. Um, so it's like really being honest with yourself about like, what actually, like, what do you stand for? What do you want to be known for? Not only in like the way that, you know, the way that people talk about you when they look at your brand, but also in like you as a person, Mm
0: -hmm. like what is in
1: alignment? Like you don't need to be, you don't need to make this up Mm -hmm. because if you are listening to this podcast, I know that you are a heart centered entrepreneur or aspiring entrepreneur so like your heart is going to lead you and there's going to be no need for you to make some flashy value up because you think it's what's going to resonate it needs to be real Mm -hmm. because yeah otherwise it otherwise it feels inauthentic Mm -hmm. um so like for me it's like that like I mean yeah the conscious element like is really important to me like being like holding space for intuition not hustling like I'm all for making things easy I'm like I don't think we need to be married to work Mm-hmm. Um, and like playing into your strengths and I mean, I'm trying to think what else, but it's like, it's just thinking what it is for you and, and like planting that as the seed. And then if you just keep staying committed to that and staying connected to that, then inevitably, like when you hire people, you're going to find people who are like in alignment with that
0: mm-hmm.
1: and they're going to pick up on that. It's, it's almost more of like, you can say it, but it's, if, if it's something that really is true, you will embody it. You may not even need to explain it.
0: hmm and something too, you mentioned about that your heart is going to lead you. I think sometimes when someone is an aspiring entrepreneur and they haven't taken that leap yet, this is at least the space I was in. I wanted to start a business since 2013. There's a lot of fear about following your heart. Like, you know what you need to do. You're like, you're like, you might be listening and you're like, oh, I want to be a coach. Uh, this is exactly what I want to do. But then all these insecurities come up of, I don't have experience. I don't have a following, whatever it is that basically boils down to I'm not worthy. Mm-hmm. What, what tools did you use when you were new, or what tools would you suggest to anyone that's in that space?
1: It was such an important question. Um, and it, it's come up a lot for me and it also comes up for my clients and the way that I've managed to reframe it is like, what if the exact reason that I think I'm not, I'm not worthy or the reason why my client thinks they're not worthy is the exact reason why we are the perfect people to do what we're doing? Like, in, as an example for me, like I had a lot of limiting beliefs or kind of imposter syndrome about the fact that like, I didn't start up start out as a junior in a PR agency and just work my way up. You know, I came at it from journalism and then I was in marketing and then I like sidestepped into this PR role and then like became the head. Like I didn't, you know, climb the like linear ladder and I felt really like, oh, maybe there's something that I like missed. And like, you mm-hmm. know, I was like, am I going to be called out for this? Like I was so, you know, I was like, and then I like took time off and went solo traveling, teaching yoga. And then I thought that's what I was going to do. And then I came back to PR. Like, I'm mm-hmm. I, like, have I been enough in the industry? Like, have I, you know, cause I didn't fit, like tick the boxes. Mm-hmm. But I've just come back to, and like I've been guided back to this, this idea that like that's the exact reason why I'm the right person to do what I'm doing because I've also seen the industry from the outside. And I haven't just been like given blinders and like this is the path. I've like seen it from the outside and have this like more of a 360 view and can also see the problems with it. And like, that's why I'm taking taking what I, what works and like leaving what doesn't and kind of empowering people to do the same that, that is exactly what allows me to be the, the conscious PR coach that I am. The fact that I have the yoga, you know, the fact that yeah. my path wasn't linear, um, because that's also entrepreneurship,
0: mm-hmm. you know,
1: if I would just been like working nine to five always, and like never had any like mm-hmm. curveballs, like I probably would like, th- it's given me the resilience and the trust yeah. that you need as an entrepreneur. So it's like, I guess the question is like to go back to actually looking at what these insecurities are and reframing and asking yourself, okay, if I feel like, well, I don't have enough experience in this or, you know, like, I mean, I like whatever the issue is, like try to reframe and see how can this be seen as a strength? How can this be seen as something that actually will help people? Like, for example, if you've had, I don't know, if you work with people on like loving their bodies, like the very fact that you've had a difficult relationship with your body And that you're still working on it is what is going to make you a really good Mm -hmm. person to empower others to do the same because you feel it, you know, like, and if you just, if it's like complete, if you've completely forgotten and you've fixed everything, that's also not relatable. You know, the fact that you're still practicing what you preach Mm -hmm. is again, going to make you the exact right person. Mm -hmm. So it's like reframing that as a strength because we all have them. We all have insecurities.
0: Mm -hmm. We're all human
1: someone's too perfect you're kind of like that ah, something doesn't feel right about this you know yeah
0: yeah 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 it feels inauthentic feels like they're like how you mentioned earlier the uh you said something about when PR is conscious or it's like I think you used the word performative Perf- A performative okay yeah yeah it's like you're being performative when you're showing up and you're not showing your real self yeah. and that's not when you're doing that I think you're repelling people that you could connect with
1: yeah it's like the highlight reel of social media as well yeah don't we all like we all get so triggered if someone just like has the seems like they have the perfect life and they like never share anything else
0: yeah you know that's so you you disconnect
1: you're like oh well I must have nothing in common with this person Mm
0: mm-hmm Also, your answer to that question is, I think, a perfect embodiment to um, when I joined your email list, the very (laughs) first email that you sent, the very first line of the very first email was, I am here to help you step into your fucking power.
1: (laughs) (laughs) That sounds about right.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So I love that, that like reframe of like, how can this, this thing I'm insecure about, how can this be the like way that I uniquely stand out? And I love the example you brought about the body. Like if you're helping someone with their body and you're still working on your own relationship, it's perfect. Cause that's how you relate to mm-hmm. your, parents. love that so much. So if someone is a new entrepreneur, when are they ready for PR? When is, is there a right time? Is there, how do you approach that?
1: Mm. Yeah. Also a good question. I think, I think for a lot of people, it's sooner than you think. Mm. Um, it's less a measure of time. Um, I mean, maybe there's more of like an average like it tends to be after like the first year, mainly because in the first year you're kind of figuring things out. Um, but that is by no means like a hard and fast rule. It what matters is that you have an established business and service or product. like you know what your mission is, like you know what you're offering, you know who your target audience is so that you can actually begin to craft a message and become known for that product or service. Because if you're kind of still figuring out, like, I maybe want to offer this, maybe not like, then it just becomes really confusing and it's hard to then land press and become known for your, your unique area of expertise because you're still kind of figuring it out. Mm -hmm. Um, But inevitably as part of the PR process, you also are invited to like lean more in to maybe what you don't even realize are areas of expertise, and the way that I like kind of take that term off the pedestal a little bit is just reminding everyone that like expertise just means that you have experience. Like you're an expert on your experience, and so like obviously someone who studied psychology has a psych degree, so like they're they have they're an ex, they're experts on psychology from studying it, but. You, you know, if you've worked as a counselor, even if you haven't studied psychology, you would still have experience on counseling people. Mm-hmm. And like, you would never claim to be a psychologist if you don't have the degree, but you could still claim to have knowledge on counseling people and the way that people work and the way that mental health works and stuff like that. So it's like leaning into that more. We mm-hmm. um, yeah, have to come back to your question. I always do this like meander off just to throw that <laughs> word in again. Um, it's it's like once you have a clear Um, offering and service and like um, brand identity because what PR really does is like takes what you are and what you have to offer and just like shines a light on it Mm -hmm. you know like it really it's like stepping into the spotlight Mm -hmm. and just like amplifying you out beyond you know your existing community so Mm -hmm. that's why you just kind of want to be clear on, like be kind of solid in that. And that doesn't mean that you can't, your products and services can't evolve, but there is like, going to be like an umbrella that's going to naturally, mm-hmm. you know, um, relate to all of the things that you and eventually introduce. but yeah, it's just having that clarity first.
0: Yeah. So if someone, um, if someone's listening, who's <laughs> like, yeah, I've had a year of experience and I want to look into PR, but they're not 100% solid in their business and their like mission and all of that. Is that something you help your clients with if they're like one-to-one or?
1: Yeah. So like the, the first step in putting together a PR strategy after you kind of get clear on what your objectives are, like what you're trying to achieve through PR, you know, cause it's obviously different whether you want to, usually it's sales, but like sometimes it's funding. Sometimes you need to raise awareness of an issue in order to actually sell the product so that's kind of where the PR objective comes in um, is to look at your messaging um, to look at like what are the key messages and again it's like it's developing the language of like what you stand for what your area of expertise is so that when you are talking to a journalist like you can position yourself as that expert and 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 deliver those key messages of like this is what I'm what I want to be known for and this is how I want a journalist to talk about my business product service Mm-hmm. Um, so what I help with is actually developing that language. So a lot of the time it's like, my clients will, will fill out these a lot, answer all these questions and then we'll finesse it, um, mm-hmm. and tweak it and turn it into kind of like help them stand more in their power. Because a lot of the times we like downplay our strengths yeah. and to really like, you know, imp- like really stand in it, really own it. And also like, look at our story. And be intentional with how we tell it and like own that narrative as opposed to having someone else come and tell you. So like that's the element that I that I help with. And like inevitably there will maybe be some like clarity that comes, but I won't, if you're just like, I want to be an entrepreneur and I wanna help people, but I don't know how, it's like, well, that that's too early. You know, you need Mm -hmm. to have a product or a service Mm -hmm. um, and a general idea of what you want to do so that we can then like figure out the right language to then amplify. Mm-hmm. Um, you beyond your existing community. Ah,
0: mm-hmm. oh, I love that. So where can people listening, find out how to work with you and find out more about your services? Mm-hmm. Thank
1: you. Um, so I'm, I'm always open to DMs on Instagram. I love a voice message. So if you like to share those, don't be shy. Um, I am at Be Conscious PR um, and my website is beconsciouspr.com. And I believe by the time this is live, my group program will be live as well. So that is what I'm um, just super, super excited about right now. It's going to be such an expansive and intimate container of just like women entrepreneurs stepping into their power and being seen and influencing the conversation and also just opening doors for book deals and like all these just big opportunities and doing it in community, which I have found so powerful having been in communities and group programs myself it's just, it just amplifies the experience, um, way beyond, um, what's possible, even when you're in a one-on-one, it's just a different experience. So Mm -hmm. that's called conscious impact. And, um, the link will be in the show notes if you want to learn more about that. But if you have any questions, just please like come and DM me. I, I I literally love sending voice messages. So (laughs) please do (laughs) come and say hi.
0: Thank you for tuning in to this episode of Openly Spoken. If you enjoyed this episode, please share this with a friend and also help us out by leaving us a review over on iTunes or wherever it is that you're listening to this podcast so that more people can see this and we can feed that podcast algorithm. I hope that this episode deeply served you. I'm so grateful that you've taken the time to listen to this podcast and I will see you next week.